In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Decapolis was an area east of the Sea of Galilee. It was a collection of ten Hellenistic cities, which is why the region's named the way it is. The word Decapolis is from the Greek for ten cities. The language and culture of these ten cities was Greek, which is why this region has its own name. This region was not Jewish. This was Gentile territory. This is why in other accounts of Jesus' visit to Decapolis, there are reports of farmers raising pigs, which was an unclean animal for Jews. It is likely that few of this Greek-speaking region would have understood the Aramaic word ephatha, which is likely why a translation is provided, a way for St. Mark to remind us that we are in Gentile territory. Jesus goes outside the boundaries of Israel and while there heals a man. Jesus found faith in this region and Jesus found zeal among the Gentiles as the multitudes begged him to lay his hands on the sick man and refused to keep quiet about the incident. Jesus has shown that his grace can be given to anyone through faith. This is part of Jesus' work. He is here to inaugurate a new covenant, one that gives out grace instead of condemnation. Today's epistle compares the old covenant with the new covenant. St. Paul references the stone of the Ten Commandments in which God carved the law that Moses brought down the mountain to give to the young nation of Israel. For the next several thousand years, Israel struggled to keep the law, but try as they might, they fell into the grip of idolatry, a grip that was broken by the Babylonian exile. Then Israel overcorrected, And the Pharisees created a severe culture of observing the letter of the law, but they ignored the spirit behind it. As St. Paul says in Romans 9, verse 31 and 32, But Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness, has not attained to the law of righteousness. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith. Laws are a reflection of the values of a culture. Laws are not a way of forcing the culture to conform to a certain set of values or ideals that do not exist. The Israelites did not want to follow the law. And before the captivity, they slipped into idolatry because they did not want to obey the law. During the Pharisees' reign, they became bitter because they did not want to follow the law. They just wanted to avoid any punishment that might come from breaking it. Once people find out I'm a math teacher, I hear all kinds of confessions about what each person really thinks about the subject and how well they did in high school math. As it turns out, many people like math. And one of the things many people like about math is that the answers are either right or they're wrong. Things are black and white, and you know where you stand. There is a certain comfort in the rigidity of boundaries. Things don't come as a surprise. The world works in a certain and predictable way. And there is comfort in that. There is comfort in the rigid boundaries. We all need boundaries. We all need to know how the world works. In Exodus, God gives Moses the law. The law is a good thing. 
It is a glorious thing. In fact, it was so glorious that the children of Israel could not look steadfastly at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance. The psalmist says in Psalm 119, verse 72, The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of coins of gold and silver. The law tells us who God is and what his nature is like. The law reveals to us the things that are good and the things that are evil. The law tells us how humanity is supposed to work and how we are supposed to love God, neighbor, and self. The law recognizes the dignity of each person as being created in the image of God. And the law also tells us the truth about who we are. It tells us that our nature is blemished and that we are not as good as we think we are. Like I said before, there is comfort in there. There is comfort in the rigid, rigid boundaries. We all need boundaries. We all need to know how the world works. But children especially need boundaries. Often young children learn by testing the boundaries and then experiencing some consequence. It is difficult to explain to a small child why you shouldn't lie. They may not see or care about the abstract consequences of their actions. If you offer a four-year-old the choice of a fully funded college education when they graduate high school, or a bowl of ice cream right now, they are likely to choose the ice cream right now. St. Paul says that Israel, although they pursued the law, they never obtained righteousness because they did not pursue the law by faith. They have learned that lying is wrong, not because the real reason we don't lie, but because of the fact that they wanted to avoid the consequences of breaking the law. Like I said before about children following the rules, the consequences are in place, so they hopefully learn the value of the rule. However, at the very least, they will want to avoid negative consequences. Following rules because you do not want to get in trouble does not address the evil within our own hearts. The reason we don't lie isn't because we want others to trust us. The reason we don't lie is because God doesn't lie. Ultimately, we don't lie because we love God and we love others because they bear the image of God. This is one thing Israel was missing. They did not love God, and because they did not love God, they were incapable of loving those who bore the image of God. We have the Spirit of God living in us. The Spirit of God can change us and our desires to match the law he has given the law exists to convict us, to show us that we are sinners, and to show us where we need to come to God for grace. This is what St. Paul means when he says the law of ministry, the law is a ministry of death. It shows us our brokenness. It shows us our wounds, which, if left untreated, will be fatal. We have no ability to follow the law on our own. Generations of people have tried and were unable. Fortunately, we have been given God's spirit. His spirit is what gives us grace to keep the law. This is why St. Paul refers to the spirit as a ministry of life. St. Paul uses the word new, not just in reference to time, that the new covenant is more recent than the old covenant, 
but St. Paul uses the word new in terms of quality. The new covenant has a freshness, an invigorated quality about it that the old covenant did not. The old covenant was so good that Moses' face shone with the glory of it. However, the glory on Moses' face faded away after time. So too was the glory of the old covenant. It was meant to fade and to give way to something greater, something more glorious. God says through Jeremiah, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. One thing that I cannot do for my children that God can do for his children is that God can send his Holy Spirit directly into our being to help us do, to help us want to do what is right. God is able to change our hearts and God is able to change our desires from the inside so that we can mature in faithfulness. Over time, with a faithfulness to prayer and turning to God, he's able to give us the spirit, the spiritual maturity to go from following the commandments for fear of getting in trouble to genuinely wanting to be more like him out of love. This is the power of grace. It leads to a changed life. Last week's gospel reminds us that we cannot keep the law on our own. We must confess we are sinners and beg God for mercy. Pretending that we are doing an adequate job is just that, pretending. In many ways, this is what happened to this deaf man from today's gospel reading. He was not whole, and the multitudes begged Jesus to make him whole and to have mercy on him. So Jesus did have mercy on him, and Jesus made the man whole. It is just so with us who are wounded by our sin, and when we humble ourselves before God and to confess our sins and ask Jesus for mercy, he heals us by his spirit to help us and to not sin again. People respond to grace in a more meaningful way than guilt or shame. Grace is the only way by which we are able to grow. Grace is, by definition, not something we can earn for ourselves. It must be given to us. So it's important to reveal to God those parts of ourselves that we are ashamed of and that cause us to sin so that he may send his spirit into those parts of our hearts to give us healing. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen.